All right. Well, um, thank you for uh, coming for um, some talk about biblical counseling. We are sure uh, grateful. Let me pray, and uh, we will we will let the fun begin. I mean, man, Josh, I feel like we have. 47 weeks of stuff. I don't know why we always feel like this to cram into five. So uh, we are going to get get busy and get at it. But um, there is so much. I think I really pray and hope that will be a great joy to you. It is uh, to us to um, certainly to talk and think about this, something that we feel is critical. So let me pray for us. Father, we're very grateful today to um, uh, be able to feast on your word. Lord, we are just overwhelmed with gratefulness that you have given us all we need for life and godliness through your son and through your word. And Lord, we want to humbly come before you and humbly speak about something that's too great for us uh, to really understand um, how you have given us your word and then how you use your word daily in our lives. Um, to justify us, all of us that know the Savior were, were saved due to um, the work that you did, the surgery that you did on our heart to regenerate our heart and faith come from hearing and hearing from your word. And, and now you're sanctifying us by your word. Uh, even as you, uh, you answer Jesus' prayer of John 17, 17, to sanctify us by your truth and your word is truth. And so we're so grateful to be able to talk about that today. I'm so thankful for Josh and uh, his deep love for your word and your people that uh, culminates in a desire to counsel them uh, for the sake of the gospel. So we commit this time to you now, um, and I'm really uh, just very grateful that we have this opportunity in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, I would say Josh and I have been talking about this for... We were just thinking, I didn't know that it had been that long, but uh, seven years, really, um, of kind of thinking, talking about these things that now kind of bring us to, to this point um, to even be able to have a Sunday school class on it. So we're really grateful, Josh. Can you tell us, kind of, and this is the way God made you in your bet to, to love people and love God's word and one to counsel people, and then kind of how you got to this point to love biblical counseling, maybe as opposed to um, the other kinds that are out there. Yeah, we, we could talk about it for, for a while. I think we have been talking about it for seven years at least. And I mean, I'm so grateful that you made me aware of biblical counseling as an approach to helping people that is different from um, you know what you sort of hear in pop psychology today and even how biblical counseling is different from um, you know even a Christian spin on psychological theories so I, you know I think growing up I was always curious on the question of why people did what they did and why we are the way we are the way that uh, the human heart operates and so it's all, I've always been interested in psychology and these kinds of things but so thankful that you um, Pointed me towards biblical counseling, and that led to, to further studies at Masters. Yeah, and you went out to Masters. Tell us about that program and just how they see things. Yeah, so I went out there in 2017, and the Masters University was one of the first universities to um, do biblical counseling or, or 
you know, believe that the scriptures are sufficient for all we need for life and godliness and form a distinctly biblical counseling approach from the scriptures. And, um, yeah. Good. I don't feel like this is controversial, really. But I would have to say, wouldn't you say, Josh, that it, I don't feel it's controversial because it seems like it's so thoroughly biblical. But what we want to try to present. But at the same time, I would say it's way the minority, even amongst believers, probably. Is it, that? I would say it's accurate. Yeah, yeah. It seems to be the minority. And you tell, I'd be curious here, you're sort of intro to biblical counseling going way back, right? Just yeah. In the 80s. I think MacArthur hooked me on a book, Sufficiency of Miss Elizabeth, Sufficiency of Christ, Sufficiency in Christ, Sufficiency. Which someone said could have just as well been sufficiency of scripture. I think they're they I think they're the same. And what year do you think we're talking though? 1990, 90s, early nineties. Mm -hmm. So yeah, so probably what are we marking at? They're thirty five years ago, thirty years ago, and uh, boy, it fired me up. And I just thought, whoo! If this is the danger that MacArthur's claiming it to be that uh, the church is leaning too heavily on psychology, not heavily enough on scripture, then this is a big deal. And I think it's become a bigger deal probably in the last 30 years. But MacArthur was sounding the horn early, and uh, and I think correctly, um, in kind of uh, a, a tendency that we have to drift towards something that's not as biblical, which is, you know, sadly enough, kind of part of, our indwelling sin will cause us to do that if we don't, um, you know, put the put the anchor down pretty, you know, pretty uh, deeply. So anyway, that's how I got kind of thinking about it, and and it's kind of been a big deal to me for that long, probably. So tell us awesome. how how to how to start here, how to think, um, kind of some goals. We got a lot of stuff to cover. We got a lot of stuff to cover. So maybe to start, we can think about counseling and preaching. And with, with uh, counseling and preaching, we're talking about the truths of Scripture, ministering those to people. With preaching, and what we'll do sit here under the, the teaching of Scriptures, the text is preached and the, the flow of the message moves from text to application. And when you think about counseling, we're taking the same truths but often applying them in reverse. And so when you sit down with somebody... Uh, in a counseling setting or just in a conversation with your friend or, or somebody that you work with, uh, we're dealing with the same truth, the same scriptural ideas and categories and, and metaphors and truths about who Christ is and thinking about a person's life and moving from their life and their story to scripture. So it works a little bit in reverse. And um, I think a little bit of what we're trying to do in the class is shape some of the presuppositions of what counseling is and why we see it as such a theological task and why we see you know the the major questions about who people are why we do what we do what we're made for as being sort of the turf of theology and God speaking into those things profoundly and clearly and um, yeah I'd say that maybe just to start <clears throat> yeah about some goals what yeah. we do at the end of uh, five weeks here, I can say this. My guess will be we will not have touched the tip of the iceberg. There's 
way more than this, and we hope to come back to it, uh, you know, maybe after the summer to go kind of round two to a little more specifics. But this will be a general five weeks of uh, kind of um, maybe stating an argument as to how to counsel, why and how to counsel in this way. Yeah, I think ultimately we want to all grow as better, to be better counselors and learn to speak the truth in love with, with the people that we interact with because there's uh, people that we see at work and at home that are struggling with all kinds of issues, with anxiety, with fear, with anger. And there would be uh, the ways that the world would approach how to handle those. And then there would be uh, the way that the Bible would approach those. And I think one goal that we have is wanting to think about those those things and in, in, in a very biblical and, and scriptural way and have a firm commitment to the sufficiency of scripture for these types of things. Yes. And would you say how much different is this even than to disciple one another? Right? When we talked about how many times that we all need a Paul to disciple us, we all need a Timothy Kind of to, uh, as iron sharpens iron, we sharpen one another. And then we, I mean, um, a, a Barnabas, really, to encourage each other. And then we need a Timothy to be pouring into. So we all, in one way, need to be discipled, and we all need to be disciples. Could it be said the same way, Josh? Are we almost saying the same thing? It's, at times, we all need counsel, right? We all need a, um, some counsel on how to be more godly all the time. And then we all should be counselors, would you say? I would. I, yeah. I think we're all we're all counselors. The question is, are we giving good counsel or there are we go. giving bad counsel? Because we're we're talking with people every day about things going on in life. Um, we want to be doing that more and being intentional in conversations. And I think ultimately, are we giving wise biblical counsel, or is it foolish or or immature or or you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. So I hear too often, I think too often, that this is not, this person's going to need way more. They're going to need a professional counselor. Like what you have isn't enough here, right? Just the Bible and you, you need this. You're, they're going to need a professional. And maybe at times there might be something to that. I think a lot of times what they need is the same thing as what I need and the same thing you need. We need to apply biblical truth to our issues and uh, let the God, let the Lord do um, surgery on our heart. Sin issue, oftentimes. Tell us about number two. So a robust view of Scripture, right? To have the sufficiency of Scripture. That's our first goal, probably. To resist the therapeutic system. Even tell us what that even means, Josh. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I don't think it's a, a surprise that we live in such a therapeutic culture and society. And uh, the psychological worldview is posited largely as a solution to a lot of our issues of the soul. I think Charles Taylor said uh, that, that we should be our most, or, or the modern idea of the self is that we should be our authentic and true self and resist um, external institutions that try and shape us. And in our day-to-day, -day, questions of ethics are relegated to taste and not truth. And so I think we need to renew our minds daily to resist sort of the psychological 
categories of thinking that are that we hear around us so often. I think we'll talk about that more as we go on in the yeah. class. Good. How about number three? Don't rely on pragmatism. That was a big part of MacArthur's book that I wish I could find or get. I maybe need to get another one. Probably gave it to somebody. But um, a big part of his book was don't just be pragmatic. We want to be way more than about just making somebody feel better. Right? Or doing whatever works. Tell us kind of about that. Yeah, I think you hit it. it it's, um, we don't want to operate just on what works, right? If, if, we're, if we're angry to feel less angry, we don't want to just scream into our pillow at night to make us feel better. We want to actually get to the roots of why so we're that's angry. that's not right? I got to uh, quit yeah. screaming in my pillow. We got to quit screaming into the pillow. No, that'll be an improvement already. Uh, you know, <laughs> you can take so many different examples with that or... Um, you know, getting a punching bag and just taking out your anger on the punching bag instead of addressing the internal desires of the heart that are causing mm-hmm. anger. So uh, I think we have to resist what simply works and, and helps our symptoms feel better and think through what's really going on at a heart level. Man, I'll bet you every one of us have heard all kinds of nonsense on that level, don't you think, about you know, this is what you do. This is how you handle this. If it's not sanctifying, then it's not truly what we need. We need sanctification. We don't just need to feel better, right? Or to even um, say that we're going to be more functional in some way. That's not the goal. Sanctification is the goal. And once again, Jesus praying um, hours before he goes to the cross, sanctify them by truth. Your word is truth. So he's given us what we believe is all we need for life and godliness through his word, not through um, some sort of what MacArthur would call it, psychobabble, where there's just some um, psychological method on that. Number four, trust God's sovereignty and his providence. How many times have we come back to that in this last year? But uh, tell us, Josh, why that would be such a big deal. Well, I want to ask you why that should be such tell a me. big deal. I've learned it so much from you and in, in God's providence in everything, not just the good, but even yeah. the bad. And that's been such a, an enjoyable thing that we spend a half a year on in the, in the other room talking about the importance of just believing that God is in control and that he's bringing about the right circumstances There isn't anything wrong with our circumstances. My attitude is the problem. How I'm um, facing these circumstances. So Job 42, 2, no plan of yours can be thwarted. Job comes to that conclusion at the end of, uh, um, uh, you know, quite a time that, that came into his life. The circumstances that came through his life. The Romans 8, 28, that we just want to believe that all things truly are working together for good because we love God, because he's called us according to his purpose. He's synergizing those things to make um, them work together for good. What's good, not necessarily a more comfortable life, an easier life. What's good is what will make us more like Christ, Romans uh, 8, 29. And so Romans 8, 28 through 32 I think it's just the best five verses in a row talking about God's sovereignty. He gave us his own son. How will he not, along with him now graciously 
give us all things. So that means that every event that happens in the life of every believer all the time is used for our sanctification. I know that better in my brain than I believe that in my heart, though. And my guess is that's kind of the battle for each of us. Are we going to believe that and are we going to trust that? Josh, how does that impact counseling, how we counsel and how we're counseled? Um, you know, Maybe both things. How? Why is this so important? On the providence? Yeah. yeah I mean, I would just echo exactly what you said. It's such a bedrock truth to counseling, especially when you look at everything in your life that happens, being able to go back to a firm trust in the sovereignty and providence of God that things don't happen at random, even though there's great suffering, I think is uh, is a balm to the soul of hurting people. But it's also, uh, even as you're giving counsel, um, I think it's something we can we can be confident in ourselves that God is working, even in the midst of great yep. trial and tribulation. That's good. And we can, um, boy, persevere a lot better when we know that. Number five, uh, we want to stress man's responsibility to his or her own sin. Um, too often in modern-day counseling, I think something gets blamed on, you know, mom cut my toenails wrong when I was six, and now I'm, I'm a little messed up. Right? And, and so we go back to blaming mom or we go back to blaming we grew up on the wrong side of the tracks or was, and all of the bad TV. And it could be, all of those things play a part. There's nobody saying that those things don't play a part. But we always have a responsibility toward our sin. And I have a, and I imagine you do too, all of us have a general bent to one to blame shift. Right, Adam, right out of the gate. We talked about it yesterday where he wanted to blame Eve and God. This woman that you put here with me, right? When God says, you know, what did you do? And so I I think you feel the same way probably. Oh man, and I can come up with so many people, circumstances, stuff to blame. And I need to take that responsibility, confess our sin, when we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so a big thing in biblical counseling, wouldn't you say, Josh, is just to remember that we're the problem. I'm the biggest problem here. And if I start with that, you can go a long ways uh, rather than start with everybody else and everything else being the problem. Yeah, well said that the past doesn't determine us. It certainly influences us to a, to a strong degree. But, uh, we're act, Our hearts are active res, responders to uh, the things in life, and, and we are responsible for our own sin. Would you say, Josh, if we operate with that way, then the Philippians 3 passage is talking about forgetting what's behind and pressing on toward what's ahead. Oftentimes, I think in counseling, um, and we don't want to be overly critical here, but we can go back to the past forever, yeah. you know, and talk about that in years of, oh man, but they did this to you or whatever. And, and you, you know, you're not healing up from that rather than saying, Hey, sooner or later, I need to say, okay, was God sovereign and providential in my past? Absolutely. He was, did those things happen? 
Absolutely they did. Did they affect my life? For sure they did. But I've got to sooner or later forget what's behind and press on toward what's ahead. Let's not cry over spilled milk forever. Right? Is that? I think that's great. Okay, good deal. Number, that's number five. Number six, we want to strengthen our view on our own indwelling sin. And that's a close relative to number five. But we cannot forget that we've got three liars coming at us every day, right? We've got Satan. He's a liar. When he lies, he speaks his native language, right? Jesus called him a liar five times in one verse. All right, so he's coming at us. We've got the world, and boy, we know that right now the world is lying to us from every direction. But then Jeremiah 17, 9 says that my heart is deceitful above all things, right? Who can understand it? Now, God changes our heart. He takes that heart of stone and makes it a heart of flesh. But that doesn't mean that I still don't have indwelling sin, right? The, the, certainly that there was a huge change at justification, but there's still a battle. Josh, can you tell us why that is big when we're pertaining to counseling? I think for a number of reasons. I'll just mention one. When, when you know, a, so much of counseling is theological, and when you have texts of scripture like Romans 7 where Paul's dealing with this back and forth struggle with his remaining indwelling sin. It gives us a category by which we can understand that sin does still affect us and we have temptations towards certain uh, sinful reactions and it's part of the, the path of change which we would call progressive sanctification where we're trying to be conformed to Jesus Christ. Good. And so God's word is what will help us to battle, right? That's what we need. Remember Ephesians 6, it's the sword of the Spirit, and we need a repertoire of swords to go after our anger, our lust, our, you know, depression, our anxiety, our whatever it all is that's all causing our issues. We need Scripture to... Um, to go at that and to, to help us in those areas. Number seven, to become convinced of God's intent to use each of us as counselors, right? A big thing that you learned, Josh, that's become pretty instrumental to me is that everybody's a counselor. Um, and you mentioned it. We want to just become good at it. Uh, but tell us kind of how we get to that. Yeah, here's a, a quick verse, Romans 15, 14. Paul says, I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able to instruct one another. And then you think about all the Proverbs that talk about our speech and how we are to talk and, and um, the differences between wise speech and foolish speech. And I think this is part of... Uh, growing into the type of people that God would have us to be and, and speaking to the issues of life is becoming wise counselors. And I think this is an area certainly I can grow in and hopefully we all can uh, grow in as a result of the class. Good. Take us to the beginning of these 
four passages that we really want to camp on here um, uh, that will be important for us for um, understanding that the Bible is not just in there and it's also sufficient. Yes. Could you help us on that? So we've, just in the goals, we've talked about why we believe Scripture is sufficient. There's a few key texts of Scripture that would shape why we believe that is true because it's, uh, it's a bold claim. And I'm not saying everyone is believing that yet. Hopefully we will. But I think Scripture's own uh, testimony about what it, what it is from the Word of God is why I believe that. And I think the first one, uh, why don't we go to Psalm 19 and look at Psalm 19, verses 7 through 14. read verse starting in verse 7 the law of the Lord is perfect reviving the soul the testimony of the Lord is sure making wise the simple the precepts of the Lord are right rejoicing the heart the commandment of the Lord is pure enlightening the eyes the fear of the Lord is clean enduring forever the rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether more to be desired are they than gold even much fine gold Sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned. In keeping them there is great reward. Who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep back your servant from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my rock. And my Redeemer. I love this passage, and one commentator said it's an absolutely surpassing and comprehensive presentation of Scripture's sufficiency. The Word of Life, uh, the Word of God refreshes life, grants depth of insight, it renders joy to the heart, it opens the eyes of understanding, and it will never be outdated. And uh, the question is, where else can you get counsel like that? Yeah. What what other counseling system or therapeutic model can compare with counsel like that? No, I love it. And and uh, don't you have to, when you read this, I hope this is really exciting to you. This is what we have all the time, right at our, we, we have this to look at. And you look at the promises here are incredible. There's a lot to be said here, but I love verse 10. More to be desired they are than gold, even much fine gold. And so uh, I love, I think, Miss Elizabeth, I think you posted uh, Heath Lambert on this. Would the Lord give us something? Isn't he your buddy from Masters? Uh, not from Masters, but he, yeah, he, he was buddy. ACBC. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Okay. But the, the, uh, the idea that God didn't just give us his word, which was somewhat sufficient, and then wait 1,900 years to give us psychology, uh, you know, to finish off the, the deal. This We have all we need right here. And uh, I love that you, that was, uh, where did you find that? Or, Just in my travels on, online. Yeah, so it's so good that we have what we need and right here. So this is, this is more precious than gold right here. God's word, and and I don't think He's um, just saying that to be overly dramatic. That's the truth. We have something better than 
pure gold in front of us all the time. Let's not, um, let, let's use it as it, as it ought to be. And when you look at that list um, right there, the law of the Lord is perfect. The testimony of the Lord is pure. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commands of the Lord are pure, enlightening the, the eyes. Uh, the fear of the Lord is clean and during for the, the rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. Um, and then verse 12 is, uh, I think, really good for us to think, who can discern his errors, declare me innocent from hidden faults? We must be aware that we have so many hidden faults that we want God to do uh, surgery on again through his word. And uh, and we'll come to a verse um, that talks about that. That's really good. Josh, where would we go next? How about, let's turn to 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, another foundational or, or bedrock truth uh, for biblical counseling. These are probably not going to be new to you. But um, they're just so foundational in what, what we're going to be looking at the next um, four weeks. So here's verse 16. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete equipped for every good work. D David Pallison said this is a another comprehensive description of transforming human life from all that ails us. And you have those four words, Jerry. We have teaching, four purposes, teaching, reproof, correction, and training. So we have the Bible to teach us what is true. Uh, we have the scriptures for reproof, to expose wrong beliefs, uh, for correction, which is confronting our sin, and then for training in righteousness, so for uh, equips us for living in a godly way. And uh, the scriptures teach us how we can honor God in the way that we live. And this is for one um, one goal that we be complete and thoroughly equipped for every good work. Yeah, that's NIV. Thoroughly equipped for every good work. That pass that phrase there has gripped me for three decades. This is God's word is what thoroughly equips us to do everything that he's called us to do. And, um, and I trust that. I believe that wholeheartedly. And that's why we want to be, Josh, help us with kind of the, the one another ministry that ought to go on in, in the church here, um, in our church, in every church, that, that we can help equip each other through helping us apply the word to each other. The, doesn't that apply to this, I think, the one another's? I think so. And, it, you know, I think there's 30, between 30 and 35 mentions of the one another's in the New Testament and how we're uh, to encourage one another, bear one another's burdens, and speak the truth to one another, welcome one another. And I think as Christians in the local church together, we, we certainly want to aspire towards that. That's that's great. Um, how about Second Peter one? Second Peter uh, one, and wouldn't you say there's maybe kind of two parts to this? This is where we see 
that will be thoroughly, I mean, that we will, um, that God's, verse 3, his divine power has granted to all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partners of the divine uh, nature. So through his, this is what we believe, that through his son and through his word, he has given us all we need for life and godliness. We don't have to go elsewhere to look for that. He's given that to us in Jesus and through his word. Any thoughts on that before we get to even the, the maybe the beefier passage on, on that in this chapter? Um, no, no thoughts. Okay. How about taking us through 19 and 21? Which one, Jerry? 19 to 21. In that same, can you read those for us? Uh, yes, yeah, yeah, Second Peter 1. Uh, and we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed to which you will do well to pay attention as, a, as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts, knowing this first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Good. So the idea is the Holy Spirit has given um, Peter, in this case, God's word that now he's given to us. And uh, and through his word, he's given us all we need for life and godliness. Again, in uh, MacArthur's book uh, 30 years ago, I was it was so impacting to me that Peter saw, he was eyewitnesses of the Lord Jesus in his majesty, but he said, and we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed. So uh, MacArthur mentioned that Peter was convinced of who Jesus was because he, like John, saw him, heard him, touched him but even more convinced because of what God's word says. And, uh, and I always thought, boy, that greatly impacted me um, that that was the case. I think just going back to verse 3, his divine power is granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. It's pretty clear. I don't think God could have said it more clear that, that we have all the, the things we need in Scripture for life and godliness. John Murray said there's no situation in which we're placed, no demand that arises for which Scripture as the deposit of the manifold wisdom of God is not adequate or sufficient. I think that one is, is a clincher, at least for me, uh, to see Scripture is given by God's power and, and, and given us all things we need for life and godliness. Yeah, no, that's, that, that's big. So again, all of this kind of goes against the idea that we need to integrate psychology or other things that we're learning. Sometimes it's, and it's a phrase that bugs me a little bit, that we hear people say, oh, all truth is God's truth. 
So God's given us these other ways of uh, helping us with our problems. And we believe, yeah, everything that is true, two plus two is four. That's true. Why is that true? Well, God made that true. But this is truth with a capital T, right? God's word is different truth. Could you comment on that, Josh? Or am I barking up the right tree I think there? you're, yeah, I don't have anything to add. Okay, so that's, there isn't, there aren't new things coming down the pike that we really need um, than, than God's word. And, and God's word is not just um, inerrant, but it's sufficient. It's sufficient. It's all we need for, for life and godliness. The it's, Hebrews, oh, go ahead. I'll just throw this in there. It's interesting. I think it was back in the 60s and 70s, there was so much done uh, by theologians to affirm the inerrancy and inspiration of scripture and to, to demonstrate that God's God's word is God breathed it comes from him and that it's also sufficient but I think maybe today would you say Jerry it's often practically denied as being sufficient yeah and you know we have all kind of different things we look to possibly for how to live our lives as godly people or how to grow in in spiritual matters when God's given us his word which we should look to. Yeah. And, 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 and our firm convictions on, we don't have to look further than that, right? That that's not overly simplistic. It is pretty simple what our problems are, you know, sin. Um, and it's not easy to fix those for sure, but that's not an overly simplistic, uh, um, situation there. Back a few pages to Hebrews chapter 4. Josh, I would love to hear your thoughts on this. Verse 12 especially. Hebrews 4, 12. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but are all naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. I think here, many times the problem is with me, it's not with Scripture, because Scripture is, is piercing to the division of soul and spirit. It, it exposes us for who and what we are and where our worship is misaligned and the things we treasure over God Scripture reveals all of this and more to us. Good. And so we believe that Scripture does surgery on our hearts. That's the, that's exactly what we need for the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. And, and then it pierces us and it it takes care of, of these things. So Lord, if, if for... Josh, if you're helping us to understand here, why have you become convinced from all of these scriptures that um, that we need to be thoroughly biblical and that we don't need to go outside of this for our answers? Like kind of how has this come through your training and through your probably sanctification? Tell us about that. I'd love to know what you would say to that question too. But here, maybe if we could, we 
gone through those texts. Let's try and drill it down a, a, deep, a little bit deeper here and how this actually works out for counseling. Um, and here, here's what I would say. What we're not saying with sufficiency is that there's a verse on every issue, you know, or that, like, let's just say you know somebody who's an anorexic and you go look in your Bible and there's no verse. So the scriptures have nothing to say. Or maybe by stroke of luck, you come across the verse that said, my tears have been my food day and night or, or, or something. And that would be, you know, that's dealing with human suffering, not anorexia per se. But what we are saying with the sufficiency of scripture is that the Bible gives us different angles and lenses by which to view all kinds of uh, counseling related topics. So if you want to take anorexia, you know, we could look at things like the fear of disapproval or the desire for approval or, or standards of beauty or distorted, a distorted image of what it means to be a woman. Um, or, or maybe it's anxieties that are managed by a sense of control. And, you know, these are things that the scriptures would speak into clearly. And so we have, you know, the whole of systematic theology, the whole of scripture that give us different angles of what it means to, to even be a human person. We're made in the image of God to come at different counseling-related issues. So we're not saying there's a verse for every problem that will ever exist, yeah. but there are many. You know, you think about how many times the Scripture speaks to anxiety, Matthew 6, uh, Philippians 4. But we have a, 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 a book that through all of the things God's revealed, we can come at different counseling topics and ha have an informed way to help people and understand problems. So wouldn't you say, Josh, the better we understand and know scripture, the more we could help somebody that's going through something. I know that I have been really guilty of, uh, well, somebody has some marriage issues. And you know what I want to tell them? I was like, hey, read Ephesians 5, right? And call me in the morning, <laughs> right? You know, love the Lord, love your wife as Christ loved the church. Quit it, you know, get it. Bob Newhart. The five-minute, right? You know, that's what I want to do. Yeah, if you want to see a uh, a funny thing. What's that thing called? Stop, Stop it. it. Yeah. Bob, Bob Newhart. Have you seen that? Isn't it great? Oh, yeah. And to be honest, that's really what I want to do. Bob Newhart has two words that he wants to give his counselee, and that's stop it. Like... That's it. And so five minutes about takes care of his counseling session. And uh, and, and so I know that I fail in uh, many times, you know, just being, we're not saying that's that simple, right. really. And that neither is biblical counseling. Is that, isn't there almost a bad rap that goes yeah. with that? I think there is a... We'll, I'd like to get into it more next week of what biblical counseling is not and the relationship to the psychologies and science and medical stuff. And I mean, there's so much to be said about all of that um, that we haven't, we just don't have time to touch today. But we're, we're, the question really is, what is it sufficient for? You know, what are the, what are we arguing for that the scriptures are sufficient for? And um, you know, we we could certainly say. They answer these and many more questions about who you are, uh, what you're here for, um, who we are supposed to be, what we're supposed to be striving for, 
and it's sufficient to help us stay oriented in a disorienting world. Uh, it's sufficient to realign and recalibrate our hearts when the madness of indwelling sin uh, rears its head. It, it's, it's sufficient to reveal God, to tell us what's at stake with our lives. We could probably come up with a huge list of more things that is sufficient for, and certainly sufficient for, for the care and the cure of the soul. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, so Lord one next week, we would like to come up with, I guess, go to ten more passages that'll be quick, probably, about um, that sometimes get neglected, we think, uh, but are huge um, in this whole argument and what biblical counseling is not. Hopefully, we've kind of set some goals as to what we're after here, um, those seven things, and I'll just go through them really quickly again to have a robust view of Scripture, that Scripture is sufficient to resist the therapeutic system, to just go with therapy, to not rely on pragmatism. The goal isn't to feel better or just to function better, but to be sanctified, to trust God's sovereignty and providence, number four, um, believing in the Romans 8, 28, um, there, stress God, man's responsibility for his or her own sin, to strengthen our view and understanding of indwelling sin, and then number seven, to become convinced of God's intent to use each of us as uh, counselors and, and disciples. Mark, um, Josh, anything else to that you would close us with before we pray? Yeah, I would say, I was quoting a little bit from David Pallison there. He's been so helpful just in helping me form my view on this stuff because it, it took me a while and there was many months of sort of wrestling through some of this stuff and, um, you know, his own story of how he became a believer. He, he worked in a mental health hospital for four years and during that time became a Christian. And he, he saw that the people that, were most effective in this mental health hospital were not so much the trained therapists, but it was the housekeepers and the people that were there on a regular basis asking, just treating people like normal human beings and asking them questions about their life and caring for them, caring about them. And I think if we were to say, how, how can we grow as counselors, if you will, uh, we first have to care about people. And we, you know, a lot of this stuff, we might not throw theory at people, but we have to care about people and the theory, the sufficiency of scripture will influence everything downstream that we say to people and what's going on in their lives. Um, so I think to grow as counselors, we, we need to eagerly hop in the trenches of life with people and mm -hmm. um, resolve to practice moving from life to text and think about all the ways scripture speaks to the troubles that we face. Yeah, it might be a bit messy, but it is worth it uh, because there are souls that are, are at stake here and uh, eternity to, to grow in good. So uh, we believe that scripture gives us all we need for life and godliness and that it thoroughly equips us for every good work. Josh, would you pray uh, for us and really grateful for y'all to uh, invest this time in uh, understanding how God's word can be applied to uh, to impact people's lives. Sure.
Father, thank you for this time to be in this room and think about these scriptures. Thank you for Jerry and his heart for, for people and his love for people. And Father, thank you for our great Savior who died and rescued us from our sin. And Lord, help us to be more godly people and honor Christ in all that we say and do. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So Lord willing, we'll have the three more uh, Sundays in January and then the first one in February to uh, feast on this topic. Thanks.